No one comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Get motivated and be inspired by inspiration for today. Good morning, Active Church. Can we give the Lord the biggest shout of praise here this morning? Amen. Amen. Especially for those testimonies. Give the Lord a huge shout of praise. Amen. Amen. All right, let's just pray. You ready for the word? I said, are you ready for the word, Active Church? Come on, I said, are you ready for the word, Active Church? Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you and praise you for your powerful hand that's upon us. We pray, Lord, that as we share together in your word today, that you just speak powerfully to us. Lord, that you touch our lives and that you just bless us with your anointing. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life and that you administer to me in a way that I will understand your word so that I can do it and apply it and see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, what we're looking at is true freedom is knowing what it means to be dead to sin. Now, I just want to remind you about the, the six lessons we've looked at in the last two weeks. And, um, you know, the, the, the first one was that once you've given your life to Jesus, you choose your master. <clears throat> you choose whether your master is sin or whether your master is the Lord. The second lesson was that you give yourself wholeheartedly to God. If you want to overcome sin... Give yourself wholeheartedly to God. And the third le- lesson was remove the past and you give yourself to righteous living. Now, last week we looked at slaves to sin are free to do what is wrong, but they receive slave, uh, shame in return. And last week was all about how to overcome shame. And the fifth lesson <clears throat> was that the things that lead to holiness also lead to eternal life. And I want you to understand that the number one thing that leads to eternal life is the salvation that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then lesson number six was that the wages of sin is, sorry, the answer to the wages of sin is free. Now the wages of sin is death. But Jesus gave a free answer. And it was free for us, but it wasn't free for him. It cost him everything. It cost him every drop of his blood. Today we're going to be looking at knowing what it means to be dead to sin. And I really want you to think about that topic today. Knowing what it means to be dead to sin. We're going to read together from Romans chapter 7 verse 1 to 6. And the Apostle Paul says this, reading from the NIV. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I'm speaking to those who know the law. That the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives. For example, by, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds him. So then if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law 
and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For, for when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we can serve in the new way, so, so that we can serve the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. I want you just to. And everything relating to sin, he has put in the picture of a wedding. And I'm sure you can all think of the wedding scene where people are sitting there at the wedding. And the congregation arrives, they sit and they wait for the moment. And the moment they wait for is the person who's the star of the show. And when the star of the show is the bride arrives, then everyone stands up. And, and, and everyone looks at the bride as the bride enters, including the groom. And tradition has it that the father walks her down the aisle and hands her over to the groom. And then the bride and the groom, they say... Their vows to one another, she takes on his surname and she binds herself to her husband with her father's approval. From that moment on, she's bound to her husband in a covenant. She places herself under the authority of the husband for life. For life. If she ever sleeps with another man, even after she may be divorced, the Lord says she commits adultery. That's a powerful picture that the Apostle Paul gives right there. But he also says this. The moment the husband dies, the second he dies, she's free from that covenant. And she can marry anyone else she chooses. Now many people don't like that picture of marriage. They don't like the picture of the wife coming under the authority of the husband. But I want to tell you that this is why so many marriages don't work today. Because you cannot do family in a way that is different to the way God created family. And God created family in such a way that the husband, not all men, but the husband will have authority over his wife. Not that woman is under the authority of all men. No, there's only one man, and that is her husband. Now, whenever we do things in a, in a manner that is different from God's direction, there will always be blood. There will always be pain. And we can follow our own, our, our own path. But that picture, however, of authority is the one that I want you to think about today. Paul uses the authority of a husband over his wife to describe our relationship to the law. And here's a big thing. We will never understand the power of sin or how to get free from it until we first understand our relationship with the law. The law we're talking about now is the law of Moses. And, and here's the thing about the law. The law has authority over you as long as you live. 
I want to say that to you again. The law has authority over you as long as you live. If you live, if you're the one that's alive, the law has authority over you. Romans chapter 7 verse 1 says, Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I'm speaking to those who know the law. The law has authority over someone as long as that person lives. As long as you are alive, you are under the authority of the law of Moses. And therefore, the law of Moses governs everything in your life. You can also call it the law of sin and death. What this means is that any person that perfectly keeps the law is blessed. Their whole life, perfectly, never making a mistake, never misstepping, never misspeaking, never misbehaving. And those that break any aspect of the law of Moses are cursed. From earlier on in the book of Romans, those who do not know the law of Moses, the law of hypocrisy applies. So the law of hypocrisy says that any time you judge someone for doing something, either that you've done yourself or that you'll do yourself in the future, you will be judged by the law that you judged others with. So one cannot escape the law as long as one is alive. I want you to think about an example in our law, our everyday common law that takes place. People who are under criminal investigations sometimes will commit suicide in order to escape the law. Say so now you're under investigation for being a drug dealer or maybe for murder or some big crime, maybe some massive fraud case or something like that. The second you die, the law no longer has any power over you. Because the law doesn't apply to dead people. You can't throw a dead person in prison. You can put their corpse there, but they're not there. Now, the Apostle Paul is saying, as long as you're alive, you're under the law. I want you to think about that very carefully, about what that means. As long as you're alive... You're under the law. I remember two songs from a number of years ago when I was a young adult. The one, the one said the words, it's my life, it's now or never. The other one said, it's my life, so stop telling me what to do because it's my life. That is the attitude that people have. When you're alive, it's your life, it's your life to do with whatever you want to do. It's your life to listen to whoever you want to listen to. Your life belongs to you. No one else can say anything about it. Now, as long as your thinking is like that, and this is how the world thinks, you're under the law. Because it's your life, you're alive, and that's how it's going to be. You will never escape the law while you believe every decision is yours to make. In order for the law no longer to apply to you, you have to die. Now, that doesn't mean you go and take a gun now and go and blow your brains out or something. In Romans chapter 12 verse 1, which we'll look at again later, but I just want to touch on it today. The Apostle Paul says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God.
I want you to think about that for a second. I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, if you know something about a sacrifice, a sacrifice dies. And yet Paul gives you a contradiction in terms. He says, I want you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. So what he's saying is, as long as, uh, as you do this, you're still alive. You're living, but you're a sacrifice. So although you're still living, something has died. What this means is you've made Jesus your Lord. A living sacrifice means every day you lay your life down for Him. A living sacrifice means every day you bring your life to the altar of Jesus and you say, Lord, you have your way with my life. A living sacrifice means you say, Jesus, you are my Lord, which means you own me. You own everything that I own. You own all the relationships that I have. You own my bank accounts. You own whatever I own. Whatever I do is yours. What that means is, it's no longer your life, it's now Jesus' life. You see, Jesus gave his life for you, and you now give your life to him in return. What this means is, although you're still alive, you die. The sacrifice means you've sacrificed yourself. You've sacrificed your will. And when you die, you're no longer under the law. So giving your life to Jesus, what does it mean? It means you confess him as Lord. When you confess him as Lord, you confess that he owns your life. He paid for it with his blood. And you've accepted that transaction. It means he has the say. And it means you've decided that from that moment on, you're only going to follow his will. It means while your body's still alive, you're dead because your will is dead and Christ lives in you. And by this you escape the authority of the law. That's what this means. Living sacrifice means there is a complete surrender in our lives to the will of God. So now, how do you overcome sin? You overcome sin when you die to the law. And you overcome sin by dying to sin. To die to sin requires that you die to the Lord. To, to the law. Romans 7 verse 4 says, So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of, of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that you might bear fruit for God. When you die, your will dies with you. I want you to think about that for a second. You could be the most passionate person on the face of the planet. You could be the person that more than any other really goes for it. And you persevere and you stick with it. And no one can move you to the right or move you to the left. But the moment you die, your will dies with you. Before you die to the Lord through the body of Christ, you think you belong to yourself. You don't belong to yourself. Before you die to the Lord through the body of Jesus, you actually belong to the devil and you belong to death. That's actually what's going on. And 
once you've given your life to Jesus, once you accept Him as your Lord and Savior, you belong to Christ. You belong to the one who was raised from the dead. And He is now your Lord. He is now your King. And He is your Lord so that you bear fruit for God. Now I want to touch on something that I mentioned last time as well. This requires that you have a totally different worldview. Your worldview is how you view the world. When you look at the world, you have a certain view of the world. Your whole worldview needs to change. The patterns of your thinking need to change. In Romans chapter 12 verse 2 it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So you've offered yourself as a living sacrifice. Once you've done that, what needs to happen every single day? Do not conform. Do not conform. Every morning when you get up, do not conform. Do not conform to what? To the pattern of this world. This world has a pattern of thinking. I want you to think about the world we live in today. So everything was fine last week. And now, Omnicron. If you don't know what Omnicron is, that is the super freaking bad, super variant. It is the worst COVID-19 bug ever, and it's from South Africa. In India, they're calling it the South African variant, but they wanted to take us to court when they said, when we called the, the Delta variant, the Indian variant. All right, why always South Africa? Why does the worst variants always come from South Africa? All right, Omicron. I'm looking at the British press, Omicron. This is a super bug. This thing's so bad. Today I saw, oh no, we found it in Britain. Oh no. Oh no. You know that song? Oh no. <laughs> That's a pattern of this world. Everything's fine. Bad news. Ah! Right, and I mean, that's like Omicron. Everyone was thinking everything different now. It's just Omicron. I'm telling you now, you're going to know about Omni like it's coming out of your ears. There's going to be so much Omni, you're going to be all Omni'd up when you're finished. That's a pattern of this world. And if you're not worrying about Omicron, you'll be worrying about Armageddon for your pension fund or the government collapsing or you're not getting what you're supposed to get. There's something that's going to dissatisfy you. You will be dissatisfied. You can be the richest person on the face of the planet. And I look at some of the things that the richest people in the world are doing. It's absolutely despicable. It's absolutely disgusting. And I think, you know, many of the things that they do, they literally want to hurt other people. And I think, but you've got so much money. Why would you want to hurt people? Because they're not happy. Because they're not satisfied. The pattern of this world is one where you're continuously dissatisfied. The pattern of this world is one where you always have something to fear. The pattern of this world is one where you always have something to be dissatisfied about because your next door neighbor has something that you don't have. No matter how much you get, you will never be satisfied. That is the pattern of this world. And then it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
What is that word transform talking about? You're transitioned into another form. Think about transgender. That's another favorite topic today. If it's not Omnicron, it's transgender. You trans into another gender. Now you're binary or I don't know, whatever. All right? There's another thing that's going on in the world. This is the pattern of this world. There are people promoting a transhuman world. Now, trans means beyond human. In other words, they're promoting that by like 2050 or 2060 or something, there'll be no humans. I don't know if you know that, but literally some of the people that are telling you about Omicron are transhumanists. And that's what people, people are all about. In, when, when they have the pattern of this world, it's a pattern of death. So the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? You've got to get up in the morning, you've got to read the word. You've got to pray. You've got to ask God to speak to you. You've got to say, I'm going to believe the word and not what I'm seeing. And you realize that, you know what, doesn't matter what we're going through, doesn't matter where we are. Listen, you're going to die one day anyway. Be it cancer or COVID or some, something else, you're going to die. It could be a truck. You know, maybe as you're leaving church, bam, pick it up, comes past. You understand what I'm saying? And you got the Omicron number plate on your forehead. And that was the end of you. You understand what I'm saying? You're going to die. Now, <clears throat> I want you to think about this transformed. What does it mean? It's to conform oneself to another's pattern. To fashion oneself according to. What, what God's calling you to do is to conform yourself to another's pattern. Not the pattern of the world. When you've given your life to Jesus, you need to understand you are a brand new creation. You are brand spanking new. You are no longer under the law. And therefore the pattern of this world is no longer you. I want you to think about what it means to pattern yourself after or, or fashion yourself after someone. Often when you look in the sports world, you look at um, sports stars. And many times you can see that they pattern themselves, their style of play, whatever, after the person who was their childhood idol. You know, someone who was really good at that sport. They play the way that person used to play. They sometimes even have, you know, the, 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 same, the same sort of um, things that they do, you know, all of that sort of stuff. The, the same sort of habits. And that's what it means, that you pattern yourself after Jesus. That you start living according to the Spirit, which is now alive, which can connect with God. You actually spend time with God and you allow your Spirit to connect with God. And you allow God to give you a totally new worldview. This only happens at the altar of surrender. What is there that you need to surrender in your life? You might need to surrender gaming. You might need to surrender sport. You might need to surrender for the ladies knitting. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that one in. All right. What is there that you need to surrender? 
For some of you, you need to surrender some time in the morning. You need to get up half an hour early and spend time with the Lord. You need to surrender that sleep. Maybe you need to surrender staying up late. So the night before, you need to go to bed earlier. That can be a big challenge. Many of you need to take on that challenge and get to bed earlier. So that you can get up and spend time with the Lord. And when you start surrendering... You think you're going to get captivity. What I want you to realize, where you've been living is under captivity already. Surrender leads to freedom. Surrender leads to freedom from the sinful passions that once aroused us. Look at Romans 7 verse 5 and 6. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore the fruit of death. But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in a new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. When we were means we're no longer there. When we were this, we, we, we're no longer there. And part of your faith work is believing that you no longer just exist in the realm of the flesh. <clears throat> Being a person of faith means you believe that no longer do your sinful passions need to bind you. That they don't bind you. And I want you to think about bound up, what that means. It means you're trapped. It means you can't escape. It means you can't get out. You see, when you're operating under, operating under the law, you are trapped. You are bound. You cannot get out. To be bound means we follow the law and we obey the law. Whether we like to acknowledge it or not, we obey it. Being set free means we can serve in a new way, in the way of the Spirit. In the way of the Spirit means we have a relationship with God. We're connected with the Spirit. We know that we're a brand new creation. Our Spirit united with the Holy Spirit. We can hear the Holy Spirit and we serve in the way of the Spirit. And what does that mean? We listen to Him and we do what He says. We know He's real. When sinful passions are aroused, the fruit that, that is produced is death. When we're living in the new way of the Spirit, the fruit that is produced is life. You know what this is all about? It's all about what we spoke about in 2018. Tapping into the fourth dimension, into the spiritual dimension. And understanding that the spiritual realm is real. It is so real. And that everything that exists in the natural world comes out of the spiritual realm. The source of everything you see around you is in the spiritual realm. The executioner came and he drove a nail through both of his feet. And the heel of those who were crucified was pierced under the ankle bone of the other foot with a nail that was longer than the nails that would have been used for his hands. Now, I want you to think about Jesus as hanging on the cross there because as he's hanging on the cross, he would have had to support himself on that nail so that he could straighten up so that he could breathe. Because if he was just hanging, his chest would be com uh, severely compressed and he wouldn't be able to breathe. So to breathe, he'd have to push himself up on that nail. Now, you can just imagine the pain. You can just imagine how sore that would have been. 
the, the pain would have been indescribable every breath he took. And then after a while, the pain would get too much and then he'd release. He'd have relief from the pain, but now he couldn't breathe. The enemy was well aware that Jesus was the one that would crush his feet. And so in an attempt to escape from the judgment that would come upon him, he, he fixed the Lord's feet to the cross. And he believed that that prophecy that God gave to the serpent, that the seed of the woman would crush his head, he believed that that prophecy was defeated. But nevertheless, he was completely unaware of everything that Jesus would suffer on the cross and what it would lead to. And that the blood would set, and that, and that blood would, that, that was shed there was God's divine strategy to conclusively crush all the scheming of the enemy. All the scheming he does against you. Every argument he uses against you was crushed at the cross. And Jesus decided to endure this suffering so that we can become overcomers. Walking on the right path. Walking on the path of his purpose. And Jesus shed his blood from his feet so that we can walk in his purpose. And here's the big thing. When we're walking in the purpose of God, divine judgment comes upon the evil spirits that operate in the nations. God wants you walking in a place where divine judgment is coming upon those evil spirits that are set against you, that are set against the kingdom of God. I want you to realize you can apply this blood. The way that you apply it is through your declaration. Revelation 12 verse 11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The blood of the Lamb being the blood of Jesus, the word of their testimony, is their testimony about what the blood of Jesus has done for them. And that's how you apply the blood. You testify to it. You testify it. Sometimes you testify to it and you close your eyes and you see the blood doing exactly what you're saying. You let it fill your imagination. You replace all those imaginations of fear that the world brings you. You replace them with the imagination of the blood of Jesus doing the work of cancelling. Every argument, every curse. When do we apply the blood of purpose? Which is the blood that flowed from the feet of Jesus when they nailed him to the cross. Is when we need to place our lives in the perfect purpose of God. When we need to grow in the development of God's vision for our lives. And when we need to displace evil spirits that operate in different regions. Guys, I want to tell you, you need to apply this to your life now. Let me tell you, there are many evil spirits and they are obvious. When you look at so many of the things that are happening in the world today, they are obvious that they are operating. You need to apply the blood of purpose. And what is the benefit? The benefit is we're able to establish our steps in the purpose of God. We're able to establish the steps of a loved one in the purpose of God. And we're able to bring judgment on spirits that oppose the preaching of the gospel. But I want you just to think about your life now. You know, last week we looked at Romans 6.23, For the wage of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. 
You know, this believing or disbelieving what Jesus did on the cross for you is what separates those who are destined for heaven and those who are not. That is what separates him. And I want you to think about where you stand with the Lord right now. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you know God? Are you right with God? Do you know that if you were to pass away today and you were to face God, that you'd be ready for Him? Is there sin that you feel is so great that it's just putting this mountain between you and God? Are you in a place where you feel like your life has no purpose and no meaning and that your life doesn't matter and it doesn't matter what you do? Maybe you're at a place where you're just feeling you're not ready. And the Lord say, no, you need to make the decision now. If you don't make it now, you never will. In Romans 10, verse 8 and 9, it says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is raising from the dead, you will be saved. Today your eternal destiny is at stake. You can't wait until later to pray. You can't say, wait till I get home or something like that. Today is the day you need to make the decision. You need to come right now. You need to, you need to come to the altar of the Lord right now. The altar that sanctifies everything. And I want to warn you, don't think that you're going to have a more effective prayer time later. Now is the time. Now is the time that the Lord has said for you. And so I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. If you're watching online and you feel you need to give your heart to Jesus, and I'm going to ask you to send an email to info@activechurch.org with your contact details. And if you do this, we'll be in contact with you. If you're here at one of the other sites, then I'm going to ask you in a moment to raise your hand if you need to give your life to Jesus or recommit your life to Jesus. Don't struggle against the Lord now. If you need to give your life to Jesus, or if you need to recommit your life to Jesus, then right now, while all, all eyes are closed, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I see those hands that have gone up. Thank you. Some more hands at the back there to my left. Is there anyone else? There's a hand near the front here. I see that hand. One last time, anyone else? Some more hands at the back there, right there in the corner there. All right, let's pray together. And I'm going to ask that those of you that have given your hearts, that you mean this prayer. And what you're saying as we pray this prayer is that this is the time, Lord, I want to commit to you right now. I don't want to wait until later. <clears throat> Lord, I believe you paid the price for me. And I believe that because of this decision from this day forward, I'm right with you. And that one day when it comes time for death to come knocking on my door, I'll be ready. Because I'll know that I'll be spending eternity with you. And I ask you just to put your right hand on your heart. And just see Jesus on the cross. See the blood as it's being shed. 
and it's destroying every argument that is set against you. See it touch you. See the Spirit just moving in you right now. And know that this Jesus that you see is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has paid the full price for your sin. And now let's pray. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. And I repent of everything I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin. And I accept your sacrifice. And I know that it was the price that you paid for my redemption. And today, Lord, I ask that the blood of your wounded body would wash me of all my rebellion, all my sin, that you'd set me free from any sickness and from any pain. Lord, I accept that my debt has been paid and there's no outstanding balance. You paid everything for me at the cross of Calvary. I accept that by your blood I'm justified. And you see me as I had never sinned. And by your blood I'm sanctified. And you have chosen me to serve you. And I'm willing to serve you. And so today I open the door of my heart. And I invite you to come in as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. And giving me eternal life. Thank you Jesus. Amen.